0: I get so sick of filming these intros. I don't know what it is. It's kind of like, <laughs> uh, I don't know, when you just see pictures of yourself, you're like, ugh, I'm so over it. I just do I'm sick of talking. Is anyone listening? Hello. So I just kind of think I'm going to do something different. I'm going to do my current obsessions of the week and some musings. I'm going to do current obsession number one, Topo Chico. I mean, I know everyone's on this LaCroix kick, but have you had Topo Chico? I told Bradford, I'm like, do I like it because (laughs) it reminds me, I don't know, I feel like a little rebel. Like I feel like I'm drinking mezcal. If you don't know, it's a mineral water. That's literally all it is. And it's in a cool bottle and the branding's awesome. And I just, it's just got so many bubbles. It really does outdo LaCroix because this is the issue with LaCroix. I never finish them. I'm a little LaCroix hoarder and I just have half, bottles or half cans of LaCroix all over my house. And it drives me crazy because it's wasteful. It drives Bradford crazy because he's OCD. And I just, Topo Chico, it doesn't go bad. I could leave it on the counter and drink it two days later and it's just as good. So Topo Chico making a run for LaCroix. That is my obsession of the week outside of my birthday because I really, love, I really love my birthday. Um, I am turning 29 on Saturday. I've been super reflective about this year. I only have one major life goal before 30, and that's to be on Forbes 30 under 30 list. <laughs> I mean, time is rapidly approaching for that cutoff to not happen, but um, you know, dream big, put it out there. And I just have had such a great year. And I mean, every year has been a great year. I don't want to turn 30. I'm not going to lie. It still kind of freaks me out. It, but not to say that 30 is old. If you're 30, I think it's just the psychological turning point that everyone has to go through their own personal journey. And so 29, I'm, I'm really ready for. I think it's going to be uh, – I have lofty goals, but I think it's going to be great. And so I wanted to just take a moment in the holiday season – not just for holiday, but for my birthday, for this whole year. Thank you for listening, for signing up for my challenges, just doing my strength program, commenting, liking, anything. If you've been a part of my life in any way, and clearly you have because you push play on this Meathead Hippie podcast, thank you. From the bottom of my heart, I am so honored to be able to do what I do. And you are the reason I do what I do. So thank you. And happy holidays. And I hope that you guys all travel safe, are full of love and laughter and all those happy holiday things. I actually made a Christmas card this year. (laughs) And Griff, it's like from Bradford, Emily, and Gryffindor. And he turned it over and Gryffindor's right in the middle. We were going to try to get like Christmas letters and try to get Griff in the middle next to a fireplace. But let's be honest, that Griff would have literally hated that it's like when I try to put a spider-man suit on him or when I try to put a leash on him it was just like it was like an exorcism it was just I realized why people hate cats in those moments. (laughs) and he's a really great cat so um the uh tangent Christmas uh what uh, I don't know what I was talking about current obsession Topo Chico any books that I'm really excited about getting uh How about I do a book every week? What book am I excited about? I just got a new one and I totally forgot. It's on my counter. I'm going to look down from my, oh, it's too far. I think it's called The Cause. I'll confirm next week. Anyway, enjoy the podcast. It's with Kat McKinnon. She is a teacher at Colorado School of Clinical Herbalism. She is a clinical herbalist in Boulder, Colorado. I met her through the actual school. It's you know, such a great program. And I love how she teaches. I love how she connects. I love her passion for herbs. And it was so fun to talk to her today about, you know, the growth of herbalism, herbal medicine, placebo effects, flower essences, the process, essential oils. We really dig into that, which I like and I appreciate. We talk about constitutions, how people sometimes run hot, sometimes people run cold. Um, I asked her what pie what, or, uh, what, Herb, she would be if she was an herb, how she fell in love with herbs. And I just think you're going to really enjoy it. Whether you are into herbal medicine already or not, you know, this is kind of in celebration of herbal element launching my tea company. Uh, yeah, enjoy. And I just some quick, uh, I don't even know what this is called. Some quick recap of things going on January 2nd, a challenge is launching EmilyShram.com. You can check out, um, Uh, my newsletter this week, I'll have a birthday workout for you. Either go to evolvemotion.com and sign up for the newsletter or go to emilystrom.com and sign up for my newsletter. And I'll send you guys M's favorite things workout for a birthday celebration workout on Saturday that you can do with me. And I think that's it. Okay, cool. Enjoy. (laughs) I'm Emily Shram, the ultimate meathead hippie. Welcome to the show. So Kat McKinnon, you were a short-term instructor for me <laughs> at the Colorado School of Clinical Herbalism, but there's very, sh- there's very few people who just are equally excited about herbs and health and helping people, but also teaching people, and you're such a great teacher, and I knew I wanted you on my podcast uh, from the moment I started it, and I'm so glad that we finally are connecting.
1: So welcome to Meathead Hippie. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Um, So you are in Boulder, and I kind of just want to start by your story into herbs and how you kind of got into this world of herbalism and then leading into what you do today and what you're really passionate about.
1: Yeah, well, so I started out, my family is has its history wound up with plants. So my grandmother was a farmer and then she and my mother eventually were, well, they are now horticulturalists working with ornamental plants and some with medicinal plants and native species. And so, but I grew up in that environment of just cultivating plants and growing plants. And so that has always just kind of grown up with hands in the dirt and been around plants and just loving them. And I realized, uh, as I started to go into more formal education, that really what I wanted to do was be involved with plants. And that was originally into the pathway of forestry. But then I realized that wasn't quite a matchup either. It was very industrial, very, either you're going to be stuck in a research box or out, you know, cruising for timber, which uh, was sort of the, the general choices.
0: What was your so, dream with, what would your dream with forestry be?
1: I actually was focusing on ecological restoration um, oh, and wow. so that was my big focus is actually looking at especially western forests, so that's where I went to school was northern Arizona, okay. is looking at restoring forests after major fire or mm. um, also more on the east coast after you know a second, third or fourth growth forest, so after a forest has been cut down three or four times how do you get it back to a balanced ecology? How do you get it back for more than just, you know, weed species all over a forest floor? Uh, so that was originally what it intrigued me and pulled me in. Yeah. But I realized the part that I really did love is I worked for an ecological restoration outfit and worked on their botany transects all the time. And so it would be going out and collecting data on, basically just keying out really, really teeny tiny plants and, you know, identifying like, all right, we have 10 plants in this one, one foot plot. What, what are all of they? So I started getting really big into the identification and pulled down into the botany world and more of that technical aspect. Mm. Uh, and then just realized with all of that education that I really want to do more with hands-on more with people and with plants rather than kind of being in the, either the research or machinery levels of things. Mm. Uh, So I moved away from that as my career and started to work actually more with uh, primitive skills, which is uh, sort of ancestral skills. So fire making, as well as wild edible and medicinal plants and basket making. And I did that for a number of years with a fellow named um, Tom Brown Jr. uh, And helped with running his children's programs and his family programs. And so I started to do more and more with Um, herbal medicine and with wild foods and I did self-study for a number of years and finally got to the point where I was like you know what I really this is what I want to do I really want to make this work and I came out to Boulder to study with a fellow named Paul Bergner with the North American Institute of Herbalism to study clinical herbalism so that's a particular branch of herbalism that works with like sitting across from people one-on-one and really looking at their health in general, and not just working with herbs, but also with diet and lifestyle. Um, and so I went through that program, graduated through the clinical program, uh, worked with Paul bit with teaching for his programs, just for more of the botany and outdoor primitive skills side of things. And then started working for the Colorado School of Clinical Herbalism when uh, Lisa Gennor took that over here in Boulder in 2012.
0: And that's where you're
1: spectrum. Yeah, I
0: love it. I really love it. Uh, So you're from Arizona.
1: I'm actually originally from Connecticut. So I'm an East coaster, but I spent Mm. the most of my adult life here in the Southwest. Mm, Very Uh, cool. And so Uh, that it's just got a really great vibe for the plants and the ecology and just everything.
0: If somebody doesn't have, you know, quite the resources or the accessibility to a school like Colorado School of Clinical Herbalism, you said you did a lot of self-study, which I also also am a big proponent of. Where Do you have some resources off the top of your head that like books that stand out that just were, you know, staples in your self-studies or that really stood out as like pushing you to knowing that this is what you wanted to do?
1: Yeah, I guess it depends on what you're really interested in. But I think just for overall, for inspiration, um, any of Michael Moore's books, mm-hmm. and this is Michael Moore, the herbalist, not the, like, um, Michael Moore, the the documentary um, filmmaker. But Michael Moore was an herbalist who was really a part of bringing back the herbal tradition into the 20th century, like bringing it back from... Um, basically it kind of has melted into sort of the bushes uh, after the 18th century as the the modern medical profession became more and more popularized and gained more and more momentum. Uh, So his books, uh, I think, are a really great place to start, even if you're not from the Southwest. A lot of his books focus around the Southwest, Mm. but any of his books just, he's funny, he's super geeky, he's into his plant constituents, he's into medicine making and the botany, and it's just a really good overall set of resources Mm. uh his his actual website is from 1994 so it's a little hard to access (laughs) but it's um if you look up the southwest school of botanical studies Mm. uh it's a really old like html website but if you can stand to kind of pour through all of that his wife has actually made all almost all of his um recordings available and so his recordings are there but you can find most of his books if you just look up Michael Moore herbalist uh, <laughs> then you can find a lot of those and then as far as other online resources um the American Herbalist Guild mm. and the American Botanical Council is a really great place to start To mm. just as far as they have a really good uh, index of resources um, I've got my own site, of course. I'll plug that. It's MeetTheGreen.com. Please do, yeah. It's a really great resources page that connects to things like this school and blogs, but also other schools that are across the country. So, um, Seven Song is in New York, and he's the Northeast School Botanical Studies. He has a lot of great resources. A lot of herb schools have a lot of free resources online. They so
0: really can- do. I have like the um, the guild that you were talking about. They do herbalist. Wednesday, I think it is right now. Have you seen that? So I've been jumping in on those free webinars, which has been really fun to kind of just get like a little bit of taste, you know, the whole, as soon as I'm learning something, I feel less crazy in my chaos. And so I'm like, oh, yay, Herbal Wednesday. (laughs) Um, Do you feel, I mean, you're obviously in the Mecca, Boulder of all places people are passionate about it. They're researching this stuff. Do you feel like, you know, within the last 10 years, there's been an influx of popularity with herbal medicine? I think that I, you know, for me, sometimes I feel like it's this, if it, that's the case, just because I'm in this world now. Mm-hmm. So I feel like more and more people are looking for alternative solutions outside of Western medicine or outside of just exercise and meal plans. They're looking at other things like mushrooms and adaptogenic herbs. Have you yourself in the school or just in general with the people coming to you, have you seen more people, you know, kind of opening their eyes to this world that was once kind of shunned for so many years?
1: Um, the short answer is yes. Um, the longer answer is I think there's there's a few different factors. One is that while I am in the mecca of Boulder, it's the mecca. It's like here, Portland, Asheville, um, Vermont, you know, Burlington. There's a few pockets of places where herbalism is just hugely popular. It's mm-hmm. exploded. It's kind of hip now, but I think also that outside of those bubbles, um, it's still fairly slow. You know, I just went back to the East Coast uh, to Connecticut for um, a week or two. And it's, you know, you say to somebody here in Boulder, like, oh, you want to try tincture? And they go, oh, tincture, cool. Like, they're, they're like, what's a tincture? Like, which is an alcoholic <laughs> extract, right, of a plant. So it's, um, I think it depends on where you are. But also, I think what's happened is actually a lot of the teachers, so Paul Bergner and Rosemary Gladstar and Michael Moore, these teachers who were, um, actually bringing it back, bringing back this idea of herbal medicine and using this medicine and, uh, from their own teachers, like Julia DeBearfei-Levy, and um, a lot of our naturopathic doctors who were just hanging on to this mm. as a practice, that it's actually coming back from being so highly regulated that it was put completely into the shadows of any kind of therapies. Hmm. And now there's a whole new generation of people who are young and motivated and who have the internet to be able to put this message out there and to not just see people, but make products, make it accessible, make it pretty easy for people uh, to actually access this. And so it's that trickle down effect, right? You can imagine as kind of just these roots coming out from this one tap root of these just very select few teachers are now actually coming into fruition. It's my um, Teacher Paul actually had this really great uh, image of what his purpose was, and he uh, he was at a sit spot once, and he said that he saw all this big disturbed area, and he saw all of these cottonwood seeds coming down, and they were just all over the place. And he came back just a while, a couple of years later, and he saw all of these cottonwood seedlings coming up, and that I think is exactly what's happened. That image of just these few seeding teachers have just spread so much and had so much influence that it's now you know third generation their students have become teachers and those teachers now have students who are becoming teachers so i think it's been an accumulation over the last probably 40 years and it's just now just exploding because we have this mechanism of the internet and and apps there's uh, there's up- herbal <laughs> verbal identification app now I just saw the other day so
0: oh lord and there's and people and you do such a great job of like staying true to what it is because do you ever feel like there's people that just take it and go the wrong way with it we talked a little bit about this with Lisa yeah how it can so easily become diagnostic like it's no different like if you don't look at the big picture from you as a clinical herbalist not seeing the individual then we're no different than just a doctor prescribing and that yeah
1: is- it can start to become so we have this idea of allopathy of like this drug is for this condition no matter what the person's like like what their constitution is what you know their particular diet is they all just get the same drugs the same protocol because a plus b equals c I and mean, it is a pitfall for anyone working with any kind of alternative therapeutics, whether it's Western herbal medicine or Chinese medicine. So yeah, absolutely. It's easy to get into uh this is, this herb is for that kind of model, mm-hmm. like echinacea for colds and flus and yeah. chamomile, stomach aches, the end, period.
0: That's, That's so it. Yeah. For, cl- from a, cl- I have clinical herbalist questions for you. I still, yeah. do you practice as a clinical herbalist at, in Boulder, through them? Okay. I need to just come and do some work with you just so I can get the full experience. So what I would love to know is, you know, and it might, there might not be an answer, but there's so many different parts of the plant. Do you feel, and I, I, yeah, I guess this question might just, I'm going to answer it myself, but four parts of the plant, what do you feel like is the most effective regardless of what it is, what plant you're using? What do you yourself feel like you, um, Share the most or recommend the most for support is it usually tinctures that we talked about flower essences is it concoctions or teas uh, you know there's so many different forms and I just for somebody to get a good idea of what herbal medicine even entails, I would love to know kind of your you know dig into your mind of like
1: if you have somebody where do you naturally go to? It really depends. It's super, because everyone is, that's the really, the big beauty about herbal medicine is you can be so specific and individual. You can tailor herbal formulas and diet to people really specifically. So as far as whether I, you know, we don't say prescribe, we say recommend um, because it's not a licensed profession, but um, teas, tinctures, salves. um, powders, Um, it really just depends on what's happening for the person, what their condition is, and ultimately on what they're willing to do. Uh, So tincture is a really nice way now that you can actually get tinctures and glycerides. So you have um, alcoholic extracts and the non-alcoholic extracts that are very concentrated. Mm. And those are nice and easy to get people to take. And more people I say are, that are not into herbalism, they're kind of just using, they're coming in to see me as like, well, I have this problem going on, but I know a very tiny amount about herbs, but really I'm just a regular person who's not really into taking nasty tasting teas and medicines and they just want something that's going to make them feel better and they want it to work. They're like, well, whatever's easier. Um, A lot of the time they'll get tinctures or powder something that's really easy and quick. Mm. Um, People who are really interested in herbs tend to want to go for things that are, a little funkier, a little witchier, you know, they're like, Oh, okay. I'll, I'll take 10 minutes or 20 minutes or 40 minutes to make a tea and, you know, boil it down and then add the flowers. And so it really depends. Um, yeah. That's a good, great point. Yeah. I, I don't know why I thought about this, but I would love to
0: address this at some point. So I'm just going to do it now. I think a lot of uh, people that are listening are interested in essential oils and I would love to know your take and your, um, necessary kind of like herbalist stance on it that I think everyone needs to see outside of just, I don't know. I think it's so easy for us all kind of be, to be at home herbalists with all these essential oils that are more popularized. And I just hope that people all know that there's another side of the story. So I would love to know your uh, thoughts on it and your take.
1: Sure. So I, one of the first things that we talk about, because we do talk about essential oils and aromatherapy in our classes, but we really just don't recommend taking them internally, hardly at all. Um, and aromatherapy is a different branch of, you could say it's sort of herbally related medicine, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of herbal safety that you really need to follow with it. Uh, there's a really, if you're interested, there's a really great blog, um, Robert Tisserand, Okay, fellow who wrote the essential oil safety handbook. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not just safety, but it's also uses. But um, we follow a lot of his recommendations because essential oils are hyper, hyper concentrated medicinal extracts. Mm-hmm. It's not like tinctures where um, tincture is an alcoholic extract of a plant. Whereas essential oils, while well, you oh. do get some essential oils in a tincture maybe, essential oils are distilled and they're hyper, hyper concentrated. Mm-hmm. To give you an idea, if you could imagine, uh, let's see, what's a really common herb. So you could take chamomile. Like everybody knows chamomile, the yellow flowers, the little bags of tea. Mm-hmm. So you get the little celestial seasonings or traditional medicinals bags of tea and it's like five grams or something. Mm-hmm. So take, I don't know, let's say a giant trash bag full. Maybe, yeah. So get like an industrial, like black trash bag full of the full of that herb Mm -hmm. and you'll end up with a small bottle of essential oil that's crazy so it's a massive so you can take you it's why we say don't take it internally is because you could easily take you know a gallon's worth of essential of a of what you would get in a tea the -hmm. amount of medicinal dose that you get in a tea you can easily take a gallon's worth of tea in Mm -hmm. just a couple drops and so that means that you don't really have very much room in the way for a uh, margin of error. Yeah. And it's really, really easy to overdose and get into toxicity. That's not necessarily, won't necessarily kill you. Though some people, they're definitely um, herbs like penny oil that people have definitely done some damage with themselves too. Mm-hmm. But it's more like just really unpleasant toxic side effects. So you get, um, there. Are, it's just general things like horrible digestive distress mm. or uh, really, terrible um secondary burns um I know a number of students who have come in with very sad stories of using essential oils in their pet and realizing like oh my god like just a couple minutes later there's essentially a, a hole in their pet's skin oh my or god they've it, or they've done it to themselves and so it's really mm-hmm. easy to move into a dangerous territory of um toxicity especially when it's that concentrate. your teacher yeah there's no self-limiting with essential oils. If you drink a gallon of tea, you're not going to drink a gallon of tea. No one's going to, they're going to be like, I feel terrible after like, second, like court. So. so essential oils is really easy. All you got to do is just upend like a couple of drops and it's, mm. and it's, you can take it back. Right.
0: So but I'm glad we, you addressed that. I think that's great knowledge for everyone to know. And I wanted to talk about kind of the patients that's involved with people that are trying to alternative therapies with herbal medicine I know it just takes time it's one of those things that we're so used to quick results and expecting quick results and so maybe that's why essential oils become have become so popular is because we can get a little bit more of that like the smell the, the feel the taste the bird whatever it is uh, there's instant gratification but ultimately herbal medicine is slow changes over time um, basically from what I've I've learned and researched and that can be frustrating for people. How do you address that with clients who are wanting to see quicker changes? Is it just the conversation or is it just them understanding herbs? And that's really all they need to understand.
1: I think the biggest thing is getting people into their bodies. Mm -hmm. Like that's where I try to start first and foremost. Um, Cause really that's not a very easy place for a lot of people to be in, whether that's because of, just really obvious trauma. So they've had some sort of abuse or they've had some sort of accident or, you know, people, you know, the obvious example is people coming back um, from combat, but also uh, along with getting people into their bodies is oftentimes people are coming to herbal medicine, not just because it's hip, like the people who um, walk into sessions with me is because they're seeking a different path. Mm. Um, they're looking for an alternative to opiates, or they're like, "Well, okay, the next step is I go on this giant cocktail of drugs." Like, is there anything else I can do before then? Or they've already been through that. You know, they've been going through. I've had clients who have gone through the ringer of the you know the Western medical system for ten years, and they're finally just saying, "You know what? I've had my gallbladder removed. I've had my appendix removed. Uh, they removed my tonsils. You know, I've had you know part of my colon removed, and." they're on all these different drugs. That was actually one client who'd had the, all those same things happen. And they're finally like, you know what? <laughs> the GI docs can do anything for me or whatever, you know, the MD is, like, well, there's not really much that we can do for you. And the time actually is often the medicine that they're looking for is the average visit to um, a physician is 15 minutes. That's the average. That means some people get seen for about five, you know? so it's really the time taking that time. Like, all right, we're going to go through your entire medical history mm-hmm. and your diet. And usually people are into it. Actually, yeah. usually usually that slower process. And so getting people to really take charge of asking themselves questions about what's going on for them, mm-hmm. uh, is often one of the more effective ways to really get started with people. And that seems to, well, people do want the, I just want the pill. Um, I, at a certain point, um, they end up looking for themselves and they end up being like, all right, does this actually work in my body? Does this T work? Let me try it. Does this T shirt work? And so it is a slow process, but usually people are ready for it. Yeah. Oh, great answer. I
0: would love to talk a little bit about um, people's constitutions and how, you know, I think we're, I, I can't wait to get you involved in the body awareness project because I had goosebumps when you said getting people back in their body. That's just like, the whole point of this project. So we'll definitely have to connect again um, for the skin stuff. But I, you know, I always, you know, I knew people ran cold or ran hot, but then when I became a nutritional therapy practitioner, I was like, oh, maybe they're hot because of their liver or maybe they're cold because they're thyroid. And so that's kind of how my mind worked. There was a cause and effect. And I still, until I was, I remember so vividly in boulder in class, just being like, oh my God, there are just people that run hot and there are people that run cold and that is okay. (laughs) There's no reason for it. It just is what it is. And so then it's so fun to dig into, you know, if you run hot, maybe ginger isn't the best thing for you. So I would love to figure out, or at least explain this in a way for people that have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, you know, people we do have constituents or not constituents, we have constitutions and then there's herbs that have certain properties that can help us or harm us. And it's not it seems overwhelming, but um I just would love to hear you kind of ramble about that.
1: Explain it way better. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good subject to ramble on. Um (laughs) well the idea of constitution or temperament, it's an old one. Uh and it's essentially a framework for matching a person's energetics so exactly what you were talking about their their temperature and their moisture to um, a therapeutic of some kind whether that's an herb or a food or exercise or you know, activity so that's it's a nice way to kind of just take a step back and look at it from a bigger view is that it's just a framework um, and the other part of it is that The thing that I find really fascinating with it is that every system of medicine has some sort of take on it. Mm. So you look at Chinese medicine and they kind of, they have more temperature that they look at. Or you look at um, Ayurveda, which everyone's heard of the the doshas, it seems at least it's in the Boulder bubble. Uh, The whole, you know, um, uh, Prakriti and the idea of doshas that you're, you know, are you pitta or Or I'm, p- I'm pretty pitta. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm so yeah exactly, Everybody, that's in the popular world of uh, the alternative health world, but um, at least in Western herbalism, so the Western herbalism comes out of this tradition uh, that has evolved from actually a lot of different practices, but so coming out of Egyptian medicine and um, Unani Tib, so that's kind of the Middle East that's still practiced there, uh, from uh, Greek medicine, And what we have coming down through all of that is coalesced into what we think of as constitutions, which is hot and cold, moist and dry. And as far as um, how to use that to look at it, you can start really simply from like, you know what, this person is obviously really warm. They have a really loud voice and they have really red cheeks and they're high energy and you know they they get six hours of sleep and then they get up for a 10 mile run like that's like hot hot really movement Mm -hmm. maybe you wouldn't want to that's something that you would start to look out for not just that doesn't mean because you're hot you can't have ginger or you can't have cayenne or any of those things it's more like okay this is a way to look at potential um, pathologies that this person might have. Like, what, what does their excess tend to? Like, do you tend to overheat, you know? So if you do take something like, all right, uh, a condition, condition like, uh, digestive disruption. So you have someone with a hot constitution and they're like, well, I have indigestion pretty constantly. You, wouldn't necessarily match them up with a hot digestive herb. So you wouldn't necessarily match them up with ginger. You might be like, you know what, maybe let's go a different route. Instead of something that's really warming and stimulating, let's give you something a little bit cooling, right? Mm -hmm. So let's go more of like the dandelion bitters or burdock or uh, chamomile, you know, as an infusion, which is pretty bitter. Mm
0: -hmm. So that was something I loved learning is I've always used chamomile within 10 to maybe 20 minutes of steeping if I forgot about it. And it was just really like calming and relaxing and pleasant. And then you guys were like, no, just let it seep overnight and see what happens. I was like, what? My mind just, it was so crazy. It became a bitter. I loved it. I love chamomile.
1: (laughs) Well, that's like, that's the cool part. That's the really great part about herbalism is that there is just so much. It's not just any, an herb isn't just a thing. It's not just a little pill. It's its own entity. And yeah. you really get to interact with this medicine that's very, very much alive. Mm. And it's alive not only when it's in the ground, but also when it's inside of your body. It's this other individual. It's the difference between, yeah, just kind of taking this lump of substance and realizing that when you take, you know, when you drink your chamomile tea, like there's so much diversity to it. Mm-hmm. Like the way that you prepare it, you have a lot of. Um, say i guess or i was going to say control but that's not quite the right word you have a lot of influence around how your medicine turns out hmm. um, i think that's actually a really big appeal for most people in herbal medicine is that they actually can really they can they can I be can, witchy with it you can actually yeah, like i love that you say face. be witchy. You really make it match yourself yeah. right? you can make it a little bit more bitter or you can make it less bitter right? you can make it more strong or less strong Hmm.
0: I, I know that we're short on time. And one thing that I can never explain in the way that I want to, because I just, am like, you just have to try it. So I'm going to let you do this is explaining the power of flower essences, which ultimately were how I got into herbalism. I made some teas, but flower essences like completely changed people's energetic response when I would be muscle testing them. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't believe that, a vial of flower essences did that because to me, I thought it was always placebo. Mm. Um, and I just would love if you could explain flower essences from your clinical standpoint.
1: Sure. So as far as a medicine, it's less, it's much more close to homeopathy than it is to our usual extracts of plants. And so it's looking more at, uh, if you're more for a technical definition, it's the, vibrational energy of plants, which is kind of a hard thing for most folks to <laughs> like, wait a minute, that sounds really woo-woo. Even, <laughs> there's always this this division of people because it's a very, um, it's essentially the, it's the essence of the more potent reproductive part of the plant, the flower. It's the more vibrant, like it has that vital potential in it, which that's easy for most people to understand, but the understanding that it's, you know, a dilution so it's a plant medicine that's made in water and then it's diluted once and then it's diluted again until you're essentially left with this very, very dilute to the point of um, it's really difficult to actually perceive that it is still that plant. So for instance, we'll take your chamomile flower Um, but it's, you couldn't really, you can't taste it. You can't see it. There's no coloration, right? It's just preserved with basically a small amount of brandy so the water doesn't spoil. But as far as what it is, it's designed to be working on this mental and emotional level that it's um, sometimes a little bit more difficult to perceive with other medicines. So with our, you know, just a regular cup of chamomile tea, for instance, as opposed to the flower essence. And as far as the way that it works, it's funny, um, as a practitioner and as a teacher, as practitioner, I use, I still use flower essences. And I'm a very kinesthetic person. And so I need to sort of like, I need to feel it in my body for it to be true as far as herbs go. I hear somebody say like, well, this herb doesn't work this way. And I'm like, wait, is that really true? Let me try it for myself. And I had similar um, skepticism that I hear a lot of people say with flowers since when I first worked with them. And then I started to work with them. And, well, I don't know what they're doing or how they're doing it, but they're doing something. Yeah. Right? So I could um, feel emotional shifts and mental shifts in myself and see it in my clients. And I still don't have a perfect understanding of it, which I think is the really healthy approach for a lot of things in herbalism is to be able to sit in uh, my, under Paul used to say the burning fire of the open question. Like, well, we don't really know. Like some people really don't use flower essences because they think it's just placebo effect. And my thought is like, well, whatever it is, it definitely works and it shifts people and it makes an emotion easier to sit with for some people, or it makes it so they, uh, can actually go through with say, you know, their protocols with their herbal medicine, or it means that they can have a better relationship with their spouse. And to me, how the mechanism, what the mechanism is, mechanism is exactly that isn't quite as important as the fact that I see it doing work with people.
0: You see it happening.
1: Yeah, but that's, it's really important to be able to differentiate between the, the woo-woo side of medicine, herbal medicine, and the physical side, because there are definitely a lot of different takes, and you have to really be able to sit with the fact that you can't prove anything with a particular type of medicine. Was right. that hard for
0: you to accept?
1: Um, I think initially, and then I think I just used it so much clinically that I was like, well, okay, great. It's, I just, it's one of those things I'm like, all right, I'm just going to let that sit there. And just every uh, once in a while, I'll come back to it and be like, really? Yep, still doing something. So <laughs> it's one of those things that I keep coming back to and keep coming back to and be like, all right, it's actually, it's something that is having a tangible effect on people's lives. Mm-hmm. but Or it's an intangible effect on people's lives. Tangible in the sense that it creates a shift. But it's not something that you could necessarily put under a microscope and be like, all right, look, yep, it's it's the hyperforum. Right, that's exactly what's happening with this, or like you know, it's yeah. the resinous constituent, right? So, and white, yeah, white, it's, not an, easy, it's not an easy question. So, uh, but you did great. Sit with because you want to be able to prove it. Yeah, I'm to be like, yes, this is exactly why it works. But you can't, and you just as long, I think the big problem comes with people trying to prove it scientifically. It's yeah. when people try to do. They try to match it up with like, oh, "Okay, look, see look at this Japanese study on water that makes this flower since it 's true mm-hmm. when really you just have to, I personally have just come to having as a a very scientific person I've just had to come to the realization of like oh, okay, well great that 's not something that I can prove it 's the worst, but I can 't do anything with it yet so. yeah that 's a
0: great answer and just the ones that I wanted to just, just give tangible examples white chestnut that's mm-hmm. the one that lets people Let things go, right? Let shit go. Is that the, am I thinking that right? Or is that more (laughs) aspects?
1: One way to put it. Yeah. So (laughs) it's, it's, the white chestnut is, that's part of the Bach flower remedies, which is he, Bach, um, was the original, um, doctor who came up with these essences way, way back, uh, 1900. So he used that as for running thoughts, the running mind, the constant chatter right? The, the washing tub of thoughts of like, I've got to do this, then I've got to do this. And, do this, and then suddenly you write back around to, I got to do this. Like, oh, here's list number one. and You get to list number two mm. or a situation. Like you play the same thing over and over again in your mind. Like, oh man, I got that ticket. Yes. Oh man, I got that ticket. Or like, <laughs> oh, I said the wrong thing in that podcast. No to yeah, like, the, totally. Oh, I didn't say quite the right thing. And that's the kind of that's the, the juiciness that it's for is for getting you out of that constant cycle and being able to really like, right, I got that ticket. Good. Learn from that. <laughs> move, on. Yeah. Yeah, and,
0: move on. And you guys taught me just, it was good because I think I used to take flower essences, you know, when I felt those things, but to therapeutically take, take them, you know, at four times a day, even just a drop, For two to three weeks or until the vial's gone Mm -hmm. it's more of like being consistent with it versus using it when you feel like you need it
1: yeah and you know what that's i mean that's exactly why there's a lot of folks who are um i was gonna say negative but who just don't flowers just don't sit well with them and that's part of the beauty of it is whether it's placebo or not what it's doing is it's getting you to actually think about your emotions as a, as beings that you can interact with. Mm. And so if you have that, like, Oh man, I've just got these constantly running thoughts. Right. Or if you have something like, um, you just have a situation that you keep coming back to over and over again. And like, I keep making the same relationship mistake with this person. Right. That's the classic one is like, um, um, chestnut bud. Actually, it's kind of related flowers. Okay. But you're, getting yourself to think about it and come back to it and getting a mental and emotional practice of sitting with whatever that feeling or that emotion is mm. and looking at it, which I think is as a practitioner, that's all that you're really doing with, um, with a client is just getting them to sit there and just say like asking them like, so what about this? Right? Mm. How, why is this feeling coming up for you? And just really following that spiraling thread of emotion or yeah. A thought. Yeah, it's like a forcing
0: them to or for me like sitting with the feeling instead so, and trying to rewire the way we think about it, kind of the whole neuroplasticity approach, like rewire yeah. your brain in the way that you think of certain situations because I tend to just avoid them.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's getting you to it's getting you to look at some of the ugly spaces. Mm. Um and we have the whole spectrum there's, there's so many flower senses now everyone's like there's a flower essence for that. Um and I think that's really a big part of what it's just getting you to do is just have awareness about it and look at it and being able to, being able to hold it gently within yourself and say like, all right, there's this emotion that's coming up. There's this mentality that's coming up. Okay. I'm just going to look at it for the amount of time that it takes to take this flower since yeah. and then let it go. Ugh. And then a little while later, like, okay, here it is here. It's going to come up again. Okay. I have support for this both within myself and through more of my herbal allies.
0: Cool. Yes, that's so great. I have two more questions for you. I wanna be respectful of your time so that uh you can go teach and share your love to the world. But I one wanna know if you were an herb, what herb you would be?
1: <laughs> I love that question. Uh, so I think I everyone if anyone who knows me is listening to this podcast are gonna laugh, but I would be pine. Um Ooh far and away. Um, it's one of our, it's really, it's a medicine that's all over the world, but especially here in Colorado, it's a, it's a really potent medicine. That's very overlooked considering pines and spruces and are some of our most common plants, actually, if you look yeah. at it, um, but also that it's, It's a really great medicine that um, can be used in the place of a lot of our more endangered medicines. Mm -hmm. So OSHA is really big up in the list now. So it's in a lot of formulas by Herb Farm and Wish Garden and a lot of local companies. Um, And it's out there as being kind of this, again, it's kind of hip, it's got this, and it's a fabulous medicine. It's been used for, by indigenous cultures, and it's still used by indigenous cultures that are here forever, right? But it's also a very it's a very sensitive plant um, because as our climate warms, it's being, its ecology is, it's a species that's a relic from the ice age. And so it grows where the snows get very, very deep. So higher up in the Rockies and it's just moving, getting more and more scarce, moving higher up into the Rocky Mountains, um, just naturally over time, but also at an accelerated rate in the past, you know, 10, 20 years. So pine is this really fantastic, respiratory stimulants and helpful for helping me breathe more deeply. It's also has this beautiful, beautiful resin that is fantastic. When you burn it, it makes uh, the pine needles make a really beautiful tea that has, it's yeah. chock full of not just vitamin C. That's the really common one in the books, okay. but I like to say vitamin C and friends, you know, it's all the, <laughs> all the necessary antioxidants. <laughs> that you I've are, never you done absorb thing. Vitamin C. Okay. Uh, and so it's, It's just this fantastic plant that is just this medicine chest, uh, that is just available throughout the winter, throughout the entire year. So, Mm -hmm.
0: and you are, and it isn't pine, you know, very grounding. Like, is it that kind of one of the properties of whether that's the smell or whatever it is? It's very like, I feel like that's accurate for you. Your voice is very soothing
1: oh good <laughs> to say for me pine is very grounding but yeah I think like well I think it just it speaks to very it's kind of this um it's this wildness hmm. that we all miss and it's it's funny because it's a little patch of wildness you know I know that you're down in Denver but like whether you're in Boulder or Denver or high up in the foothills or just about anywhere in the country there's always pines and yeah. it has this you smell it and there's this immediate connection like right? these um you could call it the essential oils going to your brain or you could call it just this uh connection with the spirit of this plant because it's really yeah. potent and it's an it's an ancient tree so, Ugh, yeah
0: I love pine I want to go find it I every every hike I go to I touch every tree I'm so annoying to walk with because I'm just like touch smell, touch smell, but it's my favorite smell. So that's a great one. I always ask my guests what their spirit animal is. And if you know that, that's okay. But I just, I felt like what your herb is might replace the
1: spirit animal, unless you do know what your spirit animal is. <laughs> mm, otters maybe. I don't know. Perfect.
0: Well, Kat, thank you so much for doing this. I know that you have such a busy schedule, but I would love um to kind of finish off with again your website, your blog, and um a little bit about the school and any other information that you want people to know, uh whether to contact you to work with you one on one if you're in the Colorado area, uh, or just, you know, to connect on social or whatever it is.
1: Sure. Yeah. So my, my, my website is uh, meet the green and there's a blog about just uh, plants and herbal medicine and botany and all that kind of degree. that's uh, Discover the green and uh, the school that I work for, it's the Colorado school of clinical herbalism. And it's, uh, we have a two year program as well in um, herbal medicine. And we have, um, semester long programs that you can attend. So we have our fundamentals course, our evening course coming up in January, as well as our advanced program. Uh, we do have a sliding scale clinic here at the school. Um, that's part of the attachment. It's part of the course that you do. But it's uh, sliding scale and open to the public. And so you can find that at clinicalherbalism.com. Both the programs and the clinic are all on that site. Yeah. Uh, and we have videos that we put out all the time. If you go to uh, Colorado School of Clinical Herbalism on Facebook, mm-hmm. we have botany videos and medicinal plant videos and classes that come up all the time as far as resources to use. Um, and then you can you can find me through there as well. Um, it's my email is cat.mckinnon at clinicalherbalism.com. But you can find me through the website, you can find me through my Meet the Green site. Um, and as far as resources, uh, if anyone who's listening, if you're interested, uh, we always welcome people to just come stop by and check out the community. I think that's a big part of what our school has to offer compared to cause there are a lot of decent online resources, but just having that community and that immersion, I think is really, really valuable. Yeah.
0: I agree with that. And people that are equally excited about pine as you <laughs> <laughs> it's the best. Well, thank you so much, Kat. I will let you go. I know you're um, you have to go, but I, really hope we can connect again. I'll send you info on the body awareness project and I'll get you involved in it. Um, and all the best. Thank you for being on. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.